Hello, this is Lisa DeLay, and you're listening to the Spark My Muse podcast. This is Soul School Lesson 136, Contemplative Life. Before I get into the lesson today, I wanted to update you on a few things. One is that Spark My Muse has made it to number one in the Apple podcasts under the category spirituality among tens of thousands of others. I'm not even sure how many it goes up against under spirituality because in the Apple podcast category, they have recently combined all kinds of podcasts from people like Joel Olstein and Andy Stanley to witchcraft, paganism, yogis, atheism, all these things are lumped under spirituality if they concern things that are immaterial. Usually people will select that category. It might have only been for a few moments or a few hours, but Spark My Muse actually got to the top of Apple Podcasts, and I have you to thank for it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for passing on this podcast to friends or family, and I encourage you to do that again. What's been really exciting is that as I pitch my book idea to publishers, the fact that I have a platform of Spark My Muse makes my book pitch that much more attractive to them. So thank you so much for making Spark My Muse a top podcast on Apple Podcasts. I will have more official announcements of what's going on with my book in the weeks to come. It seems I might have some very good news to share, and I will will be very excited to tell you the particulars. Today, what I'm going to be talking about is a book by Dom Cuthbert Butler, also known as Edward Cuthbert Butler. This book was actually written in 1922, almost 100 years ago, by a Benedictine monk by Dover Publications. And this is a text I read when I was in graduate school. It's called Western Mysticism, Augustine, Gregory, and Bernard on Contemplation and the Contemplative Life. It's a fairly dense book with a small point size. But as I was rereading it and going over some things, I thought there was some helpful things that I could share with you about the contemplative life and the Western flavor of the contemplative life in the Christian tradition. Christianity at its beginnings certainly comes from an Eastern sensibility and an Eastern point of view of spirituality. And as it moved westward, These sensibilities made shifts, and the Western mind sections things, and it differs from an Eastern point of view, which is much more holistic, much more embodied. And it's important to know that when we discuss things like Christianity or spiritual practice or the Christian way of living and being in the world, that we understand a little bit that the way we do it is not the way that everyone does it in the world. Christianity has evolved quite a bit in the way it is done, the way it is thought about. And Western Christianity is very distinctive from Eastern Christianity and Eastern flavors of it. I thought what this book did really well is underscore some of the differences and bring them to light in ways that I think are very helpful to us to kind of see the water that we're swimming in that we're very unaware of thought this would be insightful for many of us. What I like to do on this podcast, Spark My Muse, is introduce people who are unfamiliar or to a new generation of people 
what is contemplative spirituality and mysticism, which is some of these words are interchangeable. A contemplative way of prayer, a contemplative way of being in the world that has a, a side of silence and also a side of activism that are both very linked and important to each other. Besides being close to my heart, I think that this is the perfect time, it's the apropos time for a kind of spirituality like this that is necessary to survive and thrive and be more whole in this type of fractured, complex world that we live in. That is a fire hose of information and media and news and despairing kinds of problems that involve violence and malice. It's very important that we nurture our souls, but a lot of times we don't know what that might include or entail. Being spiritually formed isn't a one-time thing. It isn't about memorizing verses, although that can be very helpful, but it's about walking in the way of Jesus as a student, learning those ways of being, having nurturing companions of the soul, of our spirit and soul, and immersing ourselves continually in these ways of the spirit. So that's what I want to offer many times on soul school or the kinds of people I might invite as guests. I like to invite a whole variety of people and even people outside of Christian tradition. I'm, I welcome them when they are benefiting the world at large or have an interesting take on a situation or problem. But I especially, in a personal way, want to introduce something that I feel will be nurturing, helpful, and insightful to your life. So that's why I'm bringing up this nearly 100-year-old book, because I think it speaks particularly to us in our day to understand how we can do life a little differently. Just before I begin, I want to also mention, this is from... Dover Publications. And if you're not familiar with Dover Publications, they publish things, a whole world of, of things. Everything from clip art on Celtic tattoos, um, playing cards, folk tales, uh, Egyptian Book of the Dead. Their scope for the things that they publish is so wide and so incredible. If you ever want to learn something or would like to be well-versed in a completely new type of thing from, from art to nautical signs to um, historic homes of the American presidents, they are just a treasure trove of information and imagery. I have always dearly, dearly loved Dover Publications. And there's a catalog in the back of this book that goes on for pages and pages, different books and fields, all sorts of fields of interest. And it reminds me that Dover Books have been a long-standing library of sorts of many, many types of information. I encourage you to look them up sometime. First is a little section called Contemplative State on page 221. And I'm going to read to page 223. State of perfection is in quotes. Uh, we're going to speak toward that and the contemplative state. What are we talking about when we speak of that? As the, quote, state of perfection 
unquote, is one wherein those who embrace it are bound to, quote, aim at perfection, unquote, and to take reasonable measures to make progress in the endeavor to attain it. So the, quote, contemplative state, unquote, may be defined is the obligation of aiming at contemplation and of taking reasonable measures calculated to bring the soul to it. First, in the lower grade, and then if the call and enablement come, in the higher grade. Of those measures, the principal and indispensable one is the serious cultivation of contemplative prayer. In this sense, the monastic state is a contemplative state. St. Thomas Aquinas says so. And the Benedictine tradition says so. And the latest witness being, as we have just seen, the English Benedictine spiritual writer, Bishop Headley. Now, Dom Cuthbert Butler was an Irish Benedictine monk. He became the abbot at Downside Abbey, not to be confused with Downington Abbey, which has nothing to do with him. <laughs> and Cuthbert Butler passed away in 1934 to give you some reference for his, for his lifespan. On to contemplative life. And finally, we come again to that form, which is investigation started, and ask if it be possible to attach a definite historical meaning to the term contemplative life, concerning which the great authorities have been found to differ among themselves so materially. In the first place, it has it has to be observed that their differences are due in large measure to an ambiguity in the use of the term. Contemplative life has two meanings. It has an objective meaning, a manner of corporate life, ordinated with the primary objective of facilitating and promoting the exercise of contemplation by removal or reduction of the usual obstacles. And it has a subjective or personal meaning according to which whatever be the external conditions that one is leading a contemplative life who effectively practices contemplation. In this sense, whatever be this one's calling or manner of life, a contemplative is leading a contemplative life. It is a matter of personal experience, not of external conditions. The first is the modern technical sense of Quote, contemplative life, unquote, whereby many orders of women, preeminently the Carmelites and the Poor Clares, and among the men, the Carthusians and Trappists, are said to lead a contemplative life. But the second is the Old Western meaning, as defined by St. Gregory and endorsed by St. Bernard. According to this conception, the test of a contemplative life does not lie in the absence of activity but in the presence of contemplation. It is a life in which the good works of the active life have their place, provided the contemplation be there as a reality. Father Augustine Baker's imperfect contemplatives led St. Gregory's contemplative life. According to this, the historical Western sense, it may be said that a contemplative life is one in which contemplative prayer is practiced in an adequate measure. To Father Baker's mind, what suffices for this is, in addition to the obligatory vocal prayer of the office, which is two and a half hours a day, or at least one of contemplative mental prayer, 
this is all he asks for, for the rest of the time may be spent in the ordinary avocations and duties of our state of life. If what has been set forth in these pages, based as it is on the utterances and well-accredited teachers, be a correct appreciation, there is contemplation that is a simple thing. This it is that the old writers mean when they take for granted that contemplation is the natural aim and the normal issue of a spiritual life. It is the elementary grades of contemplation and contemplative prayer that they have in mind. Such contemplation is practiced by countless souls who know nothing of the divisions and definitions of interior prayer and who would be as much surprised on learning that they were exercising contemplation as Miliar's bourgeois gentle hum in learning that he had been speaking prose all his life. There is a strong current running in these days along the way of return to the old tradition, and a principal motive of the writing of this book has been the hope that it may help on this return. The Eastern tradition on contemplative life, contemplation, mysticism, has differed from the old, authentic Western tradition, and has during these past few centuries obscured it even in the West. As differing from the Eastern tradition, the West may be stated somehow thus. There are four elements in religion, the institution or the external element of church, sacraments and public worship, the intellectual element of doctrine and dogma and theology, the mystical element of will and emotion and personal religious experience, and the element of service of others. A fully developed, properly balanced personal religious life must be the result of a harmonious blending of these four elements, not one of which may be neglected except at the cost of a one-sided, distorted, enfeebled type of religion. In regard to the mystical element itself, it is not to be cultivated as a thing apart from the everyday duties of life. Our life may not be divided into watertight compartments. It is only by means of self-discipline and the spiritual formation of our own characters and in the discipline of life in our relations with our fellow men and women it is only by bearing ourselves bravely and overcoming in our appointed station in the great battle of life, it is only thus that those most intimate personal relations of our souls with God, which are the mystical element of religion, will attain to their highest and noblest and most fruitful consummation. Nor are these things the preserve of the intellectual and the educated, nor of any spiritually leisured class. They are open to all, to the poor, to the unlettered, and the lowly workers who spend their lives in alteration between conscientious performance of their daily round of humble duties and the regular recourse to God in affective prayer and rudimentary contemplation. A union so commonly met with among the peasantry in Catholic districts. And so again, we learn that mysticism, like religion itself, is within the reach of all. It is not too hard for thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, who will go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us? 
but it is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. Now that is some language from a hundred years ago from a learned man, and it may seem a little bit cumbersome. But I think what is very interesting is that he talks about how Western tradition in contemplation uh, includes a religious life that has four elements, and that the contemplative life is not this highfalutin thing, is not accessible to only people who are in the vocation of ministry or of uh, religious life and who've taken orders as monastics. It's not just a static experience, but involves service to others. And the four elements, he says are the institution or external element of the church, which includes the sacraments and public worship. The second element is an intellectual element. It's the element of doctrine and dogma and theology. It's kind of knowing your stuff. The third element is a mystical element, but of will and emotion and personal religious experience. That's where it really comes home and hits you in the heart. And then the other element, the fourth one, that sometimes maybe gets left behind, is service to others. So these four elements, none of which can be enfeebled, left behind, or left to atrophy, make one a solidly spiritual and integrated person, a whole person that can have the fruit of the Spirit. If any one of those four is lacking or divided into, as he says, watertight compartments, then their formation and their character will be off. Their discipline of life in their relationships will suffer. And in that suffering, their relationship with God will suffer as well. It'll be unwhole. It'll be amiss. As you can imagine, this book is very rich with essentially written for monastics, other monastics, but is talking about contemplation in the contemplative life of Augustine, Gregory, and Bernard, those church fathers, and has some incredibly amazing insights. That is just a teeny little scrap of what's in this book, which I will leave a link to in the show notes and at sparkmymuse.com for this episode, Soul School Lesson 136. SSL136. It would be wonderful if you could go to patreon.com. That's patron with an E, patreon.com forward slash spark my muse and support the show for a dollar to get the special show notes with the links to this book and all kinds of other things. I will also link to Dom Cuthbert Butler's information page and a little more about him. He's famous for writing about mysticism, but also about Vatican I that talked about the Pope's infallibility. I'm not Catholic and I don't pretend to be one, but I have found being open to the rich tradition of Christianity for the last 2,000 plus years that opens up a richness that grounds me in the historical faith and in the faith of the fathers and mothers of the church, which deeply can spiritually form me so that I have roots that go deep down, not the kind of roots, what Jesus talks about, the roots in the rocky soil, where when the sun comes up and the plant has grown in this great soil, but where the rocks are, 
the plant withers because the roots just don't go deep enough. And spiritual formation is about growing your roots deep into soil that doesn't have a lot of rocks, into soil that has been cleared of those rocks and can nourish the root system so that the plant can thrive and survive and then create seeds that bear more and more plants and more fruit. I thank you so much for making Spark My Muse part of your life and for making it a pleasure to create Spark My Muse. It usually costs me about $150 out of my own pocket each month to make this show. And so I have to work other jobs and do other things and try to create income to make this happen as a labor of love, as a ministry. And so any little bit of donation or support that can come my way to make this easier is so appreciated. If you click to the book links, that sends a little bit of money back, maybe 60 cents or a dollar back to me to try to cover the costs of this show. When you support the show at higher amounts, you can get a mug or a t-shirt or some special gifts I send along. It really helps create camaraderie and uh, puts a smile on my face. And when you pass this along to friends and family to listen to, that also helps a great deal too. Thank you so much for coming along and stay tuned next week, next Wednesday for some new audio. May God bless you.